Hello, and welcome to Resolve, an afterplay show. This is an after show for a role-playing game that does not have an actual play, where we tell you all the details of our game so you don't have to listen to it. I am Sammy, I'll be your host, my pronouns are she, her, and I play Assyria Moly, the Hope of the Abyss. Joining me is my wonderful co-host, Alex. Hi, I'm Alex. I play the Malboro Juice and his mule companions, the Smogs. All of us use he, him pronouns. We are joined today by Dee. Hello, it's been a while. I'm Dee. You can use any pronouns for me, except for it. I play Geyser, a clown who's been thinking about some things. Geyser uses she, her pronouns. Welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Now that we're all here, Alex, why don't you tell us about the actual play? Previously, in a feat, Pony enters her new armor before she, Assyria, and Geyser head to the World of Song to speak with Terra. They find Terra in communication with Euphero and Theremin. Terra informs them that Tubular Bells has been kidnapped by the governance, sending the pyramid they protected into disarray. Terra tells Assyria about the sister planet where her barnacle device was created. Terra creates a portal to send the trio back to Sequence Charter. On Tao's world, Smog sees the governance pop in. Smog and Tau defend the people from harm and shunt them back to their worlds, but the attack forces Tau to merge with their alternate forms and collapse their world into one room. As Tau disappears, they pass a phone containing the last, unawakened Tau. While Smog fades back into his alternate timeline, he opens a portal to send the phone to Juice. Assyria speaks to Alrune about their original homes, finding a new home in Sequence Charter, and the sacrifices they've made for Chrysalis. Assyria asks for Alrune's aid in the Mermaid Exodus. Geyser tests out the refurbished Harvestman with a fighter pilot, jet, and strider pilots. She uses the weapons with expert precision and uncovers a strange portal near where Tau and Smog met. She is unable to enter it, and a strange voice tells her to gather the others. Juice teleports to Smog and Powder in the middle of a mission to gather Psychoclass. Smog opens the phone, finding a .tau file that does not seem to run. Smog, Powder, and Juice ride a strider back to Sequence Charter to speak to Toroid. Now that you've heard the actual play, let's do a deep dive into the session. We start off right back into the lab from Siri is still pressing Aura for more information, and Aura does what everyone does, talk to the captain. We're going to raise this up the chain, go talk to my manager. <laughs> <laughs> They're working off of information that was gathered from Terra. It would probably be better to go to the source. Absolutely hard to agree, but not very satisfactory, considering they're the ones actually doing the work on all of the technical side and was probably there helping the machine. I like Geyser just asking who the captain is here. (laughs) Obviously, Geyser has seen the captain and seen Terra and seen people call Terra the captain and Terra. I don't know if anyone has said the captain is Terra. This is part of my brainstorming of what to do with Geyser now. It's a bit so weird and mindfucky for me kind of lamenting i have this character and i love her but she's like stuck and i don't want her to be stuck and then all of a sudden all of these things happen and i'm like yay i know what to do and now afterwards it's like huh (laughs) 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 i give geyser one social ability (laughs) though not only one but i'm not always making everything awkward This is a person with deficits that can now fix them actively without prompting or hand-holding. 
So all of these like little cues and nuances are things that Geyser does not previously pick up. Now there's the presence of mind. This is information about a person that I don't have that I should have. Geyser knows that Tara's in charge, but Geyser doesn't know what the word captain means. <laughs> it's like the title doesn't mean anything. We get a little bit of Geyser like, I was doing drugs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just ate a flower. What do you expect from me? <laughs> and so it's like, oh, you had a transcendental experience too. <laughs> <laughs> and the aura's just like what the fuck happened to you guys <laughs> gone for two months on a weed trip is what I'm hearing <laughs> it's more like shrooms I feel like Juice gets bored not understanding what's going on and peeks under the horse tarp oh my god Carolyn was so excited horse armor real bro let's go we didn't talk a lot about what it looks like but I think Carolyn wanted to have the party together to go through what this playbook change might look like and where Pony's going. So I think we'll get that next time. God, we're gonna get like a lot <laughs> next time. Pony's the last to change playbook. I thought it was me, but I forgot. I really like what Carolyn has done with Pony so far. And I'm excited to see where she's going. I just hope we don't lose the pony personality because it's just so much fun. <laughs> I don't think that personality is going anywhere. <laughs> Silence and then like random excitement about <laughs> some things like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest. It's my favorite and I need it. Yeah, I would be very shocked if Carolyn just does like a 180 personality switch on pony. That would be out of left field for me. With Geyser and maybe with Smog, the drastic personality change was narratively necessary. I don't see it being necessary for Pony and what she's done so far. Yeah, I think at most maybe she'll settle down a little bit. Unlikely. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I think most of the pizzazz will remain. She has so many ambitions now, too. I'm not going to be Unicorn anymore. I'm going to be a soldier, a scholar, a wanderer, and a teacher. Hell yeah. Whoa. Pony's becoming a monk. <laughs> <laughs> and guys, are trying to encourage her. That's a lot, but you can do it. Which, by the way, is is not something that Geyser would have cared to remark about <laughs> before. <laughs> I hope that the party feels a tonal shift from Geyser from I don't care about you, but don't die or else I'll get mad <laughs> to maybe friendship is okay. <laughs> Listen, Geyser, friendship is magical. Oh my god. <laughs> I do like your move here to have Geyser want her own set of armor. That makes sense with seeing Pony's advancements and working on Geyser having a vendetta. I was mostly thinking about trying to extend a connection with Pony because I feel like Pony and Geyser's relationship was very strained and then non-existent. Pony's like, I hate you. You remind me of my horrible past. And Geyser's <laughs> like, I'm gonna bother the fuck out of you. And then it was just like, we're too busy doing all of this other shit to be rivals and now we're like on the downswing of things. And I feel like I've made huge revelations with Smog, with Siri. I've made a reasonable, moderate interpersonal connection with Tao. But Pony, there's nothing there. I want to be interested 
in all of the party, but I felt like it was a really good moment to have a reason to talk to Pony because Pony was there. And it wasn't Pony's there and we're getting attacked by robots. We need to fight. <laughs> Low stakes. We have a little bit of downtime. So I would talk to Carolyn and be like, hey, is there something we could address here? Set up something and then work with Dan to make that happen. After the whole armor moment, a series like, maybe we should go talk to the captain and we don't know where the captain is guys are like oh tau can find people so i should ask them where the captain is and then tau does not respond which hurts geyser's feelings a little bit <laughs> foreboding ominous great way to start the session and so geyser's like a crab question mark <laughs> i like how geyser just talks in emoji <laughs> We've reinvented pictographs here, hieroglyphics. It's so funny to have to put emoji in the notes. I want to stress this is not the first group I've put emoji in the notes for. In a fucking D&D campaign, somebody has sent emoji in their sending and has used, like, fireworks spells to put up emoji. We are obsessed <laughs> as a culture with these funny little guys. <laughs> a Siri is not technologically versed for many reasons. It's just like, all right, let's do this the old-fashioned way. Let me talk to somebody. <laughs> and she's like, okay, where's the captain? Where's Powder? And the, the guard's like, I have no idea where the fuck Powder is. Probably out salvaging. Nobody fucking knows where she goes. <laughs> I don't know who Powder is. Yeah, who the fuck is yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Is that salvager chick? Who the fuck knows? But also, like, oh, you need the captain. Yeah, you're the world travelers. That seems important. They relay the message that the captain is at the scale in the world of song. So Asiri's like, thanks! Bye! <laughs> Fades out. This trio heads on into the world of song. Streets are a little less crowded. They're able to get into the pyramid pretty easily. They see some soldiers along the way. And they find Terra speaking to Theremin du Pharaoh. We're in the scale, right? Not the pyramid. Or it's the scale, sorry. The pyramid's apparently fucking chaotic right now, because apparently Tubular Bells was the arbiter of the pyramid since we left, and they have since been kidnapped by the fucking governance. They're literally like 20 feet tall. How the fuck did they kidnap them? Fuck the governance. All my homies hate the governance. <laughs> this has been your weekly reminder from D. If you do not hate the governance, you are not my homie. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that you Pharaoh's child? Technically. Unclear, but uh, Siri thinks so. <laughs> that whole situation is crazy. Like, why is the world of song in chaos? We came and we fixed the problem. <laughs> but I feel like that's also a thing that happens in real life. Like, saviors come in and they, they solve the problem. Yay, now we can live happy ever after. But then they leave and leave a, like, vacuum of if not leadership, but personality, and then everything can just descend from there. So it makes sense, especially with the governance having the technology to travel between worlds. I think for the most part, we've tried to be careful about leaving the world afterwards back in the hands of the locals, not totally usurping control from them. Because that's definitely something that can happen in a lot of role-playing games. You're expected to be the savior. Um, mm -hmm. The issue here is that people that we've placed in power are being attacked, or there are other circumstances likely being taken into the configuration, and then the governance messing up her ability to come back. We tried our best to not just 
leave things a mess, but the people that we placed in power are being targeted. Oh boy, get them while we're weak, huh? <laughs> exactly, fuck the governance. Fuck the governance. I will personally destroy them. If Geyser does it, I will. So you're gonna warp into the game? That's awesome. <laughs> I know what you <laughs> That's what the role player class for second edition is for, right? Stop it. I'm so scared of second edition. <laughs> Riley, what are you doing? <laughs> that class in particular looks bonkers. It that does. playbook. I'm so scared. <laughs> there are content warnings on some playbooks already. I feel like that's going to have to come with some. Also that move where you send them like a dollar via PayPal or whatever. Genius. <laughs> Do whatever you want. Give me money. I feel like it would be funny to run a campaign where everyone is a role player. <laughs> <laughs> we could theoretically like run this whole campaign again, except we're all role players. <laughs> I wonder if it's like a new version of the connected because it's something about once per character. Maybe. We'll have to see. I'm curious. I hope second edition besides the wonky stuff, clears up some of the vagaries. What does it mean to make a link? What does it mean that your link move triggers? All of these things, we've had to have group discussions. Yeah. Even some of the moves for books that weren't DLC, what does it mean that everything just escaped my mind? (laughs) That's fine. I understand. Yeah. There could definitely be... Editing for consistency. Yes. Um, I had something else, but I can't really remember. Oh, well, I've, I've blinked too. There is one thing that I know that I would like further clarity on, and that's the deep dive. And also cast magic, because those are the two moves that get used the most by far, at least by me. Even my first playbook, I didn't even really use the moves in my playbook that much, except for Walker in Twilight, once I took that advancement. With Deep Dive, because there is an explicit list of questions that you can ask, it's really annoying when you want a piece of information and you just want the piece of information and you don't want to say, what can I use to... I just want the answer (laughs) for cast magic. The options there are really limited, and quite frankly, you can do a whole lot with the cast magic move. I do think it's broken. It's broken in the effects of the magic way, not the mechanics of the magic way. Mm. I could just conjure a mountain and put a dog from hell on it, and that's perfectly fine within the game. What does that mean mechanically? (laughs) It's interesting because a lot of this stuff is inherited from other Powered by the Apocalypse games. Like a very specific list of questions is good for a game where you're trying to set a really specific theme because it makes you ask questions around the theme and motivates role playing towards that. The difficulty is that this is a big mashup game. You don't always want to ask the same types of questions. You need slightly more general answers. Maybe having like a list of suggested questions for the genre of the world might be useful mm. for cast magic. That feels like a relic of this being explicitly a um, Kingdom Hearts inspired game. Mm-hmm. Cause there's there are other influences, but this is definitely very Kingdom Hearts. It also bothers me sometimes because it pushed so many of my players to choose fantasy stuff that it made it harder to work with the like confines of the game I wanted to, because 
there was so much fantasy all the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I think there's an argument to be made in Chaos Magic for using it for, like, techno sci-fi stuff. Like, at least in my mind, that makes sense. My biggest critique with the system thus far is that it really is not built for long-term games like ours is. Like, we're on session 50-fucking-one. There's a lot of link buildup and a lot of resources that if you are carefully hoarding like I am, I probably don't have to fail a roll again the rest of this game because of how I've min-maxed my stats and my, yeah. my link list. I think there needs to be either more directive on the DM side or more penalties for the player to hoard those resources. You have to use them within X amount of time or else they'll start to fade away. Or you have to interact with that person again to prevent it from fading away. Something like that. That's also another symptom of Powered by the Apocalypse stuff. Like yeah. these games are supposed to last for maybe 20 sessions. Yeah. The way they're designed, I think. Uh, we're just insane. I didn't think about that at all. I don't think I've ever been in a short campaign. <laughs> I have at least 20 light links right now, if not more. And that's not even counting all the other <laughs> links oh, I have. Man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. I spent a ton of my links to change playbooks, but I still have all of my locked links. Anyway, back to the session. We learned about tubular bells. Terra tells guys about the repaired harvestmen. I think where things get really interesting is Siri asking about Terra's barnacle. I'm not mad at Dan, because I understand that there's a lot going on right now. But I want more fucking clarification for what the fuck this procedure is. Sierra's explained it, and now Terra has, in that it's very invasive. It maps all of your thoughts, everything like you've ever experienced, your emotional connections. Basically, it copies your brain and makes it data. Sure, I get that. A Siri somewhat understands this information. She's like, oh, it's being converted to a permanent song. I got it. How does it work? What are you doing to me? Is it like getting injected into my cerebral cortex? What is happening? Terra still has it. I don't know how often it's being used on them. Nobody else that we've interacted has one. And apparently all the data for this shit is stored on another fucking planet. It would also probably be easier to do this for Terra because some of their memories are already digital. Yeah. <laughs> At least in origin. I understand why Terra has one. I understand why Sierra is offering or suggesting that it for the Mermaid Exodus project, they need that data quickly. This is probably the most efficient way to do it. However, everyone's been like, mm, there are side effects. What the fuck are the side effects? You know, I'm going to have to call that the MEP from now on, right? The what? The MEP. Why? The Mermaid, Mermaid Exodus, Exodus project. project. <laughs> <laughs> the MEP. The MEP. Map. I need to make up a better name for it, but sure, that'll, that'll work for now. <laughs> I don't think it ever occurred to me or a Siri to give it a name because it's just like. Works up. <laughs> <laughs> this barnacle thing, it's skeezing me out because, on one hand, fascinating, horrible. It's up my alley from like a horror slash sci fi standpoint. But on the other hand, a series also not entirely biological. Will it stop recording from the point that she woke up, or is it only going to record the things that are physically neuronic in, in nature. What are the like sci-fi limitations of the system? Because if she gets it and it stops at the point where the abyss woke up, then what's the fucking point? Yeah. You know? If it is based on the technology that gave Terra the digital memories in the first place, that was theoretically capable of simulating anything. So could it also record God thoughts? Who knows? 
unclear. But what I do know is that it was invented on another one of the other two planets in the star system. And all of the data is stored on that planet. Also, is this thing biological in nature too? Because it like it's very parasitically attached from what a series sees. All we know is psychoglass is part of it. Fucking psychoglass. Love it. Series like, all right, that's fun. I will have to think about these things, Tara. Thank you for the suggestion. Where's powder? <laughs> no one knows where powder is. Tara's like, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't keep tabs on powder. The series like, well, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> I'm working. Pay attention to my girlfriend or else. I need to know where she is. Apparently it's been two moon cycles. I can't be gay if my girlfriend's not here. I know, right? It's so hard. (laughs) She tries to mention, like, Tao is usually uncannily good at putting people down, but y'all haven't been able to get in contact with Tao. Which makes Geyser sad. And makes Terra nervous. And then Pony shows off their armor, and then Terra gets to gloat about Umbra for a bit. That's always fun. We got to relay that we have one more world core. Woohoo! One more. I guess one in a fifth. Yeah. <laughs> left. Yeah. Yeah. We have a fifth left of the task to get one of them. Yeah. A Siri drops the bad news that we did see probably a governance tower and lots and lots of ships on our way back from the configuration. So Terra's like, shit. <laughs> also not really surprised. Yeah, not surprised, but just like, fuck, all right, that makes us harder, great. Circling more things, giving knowledge back and forth to each other. I think the most interesting development left in the conversation is really Symphonious has gone to Sequence Charter and has created a lively performance hall. A mini pyramid in the concert area. The immediate response to Sophonius's name is, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of um, Excalibur from Soul Eater. Excalibur is like a sword, but it's sentient. And every time someone interacts with Excalibur, they just have the most disgusting look on their face. Ironically, I don't think Geyser has too many negative feelings towards Symphonius. It's just that Geyser blasted him to all hell, so she feels kind of guilty. <laughs> a series very conflicted regarding it. He has so much potential to do so much cool shit. He's just a fucking idiot. <laughs> be better, please. Please be better. You could be so interesting and cool and so talented. Why are you like this? Stop trying to be Naruto. <laughs> Why would you set that goal for yourself, man? I also would love to, like, have a party scene (laughs) where they're just, like, irritated by him (laughs) again. The squad wraps up the conversation with Terra. Terra teleports us home. And then we get a snapshot into Tao's world. Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) Zach and I had just been to an outdoor wedding, so I was like, you know what would be cute? Because I don't think we've talked about what Tao's world's connected to the world of spirit looks like yet is... A little outdoor stage that looks kind of like an outdoor wedding venue. Smog is just overseeing things there, making sure nothing goes too bad. Except the governance pops in. Yay! Woo! We love it. This is where shit gets fucky, okay? So they immediately start bombing people, as the governance does. Just show up a place, fuck with people, destroy them. Cool. Great A stuff. Smog bless his heart, tries to like teleport all of the mused people and in the zone people the fuck out to protect them because who knows what the hell would happen to them if they died in here this is where we get 
the title for this one because Smog wants to protect them from writer's block. Yeah, you just cut off their creative juices in this place forever. <laughs> oh, that would be so. That would suck. I I know that feeling, and fuck you. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to like sit in this too long, but it's so weird to think about the governance making it an attack on a world that is not physical, that they can't really colonize, but is representative creativity. It's not something that they can really inhabit. They just don't appreciate it existing because it's related to someone who's hurting them. Correct. And uh, therefore it must be destroyed. (sighs) Here's where shit gets fucky for me, at least, right? Because Tao in the energy to try to protect everything and figure out what the fuck's going on starts to like defend people, manipulate the world, get everything out. They intercept a transmission from the governance. It sounds like their old rival Mew, but it says 2680A, which fucked me up. Oh, was it A? Because I think Dan cut out for me. I was assuming it was B. It's A. That's Tara's fucking sister. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who was accepted into the governance? This changes a lot. Yeah, that's fucked up. I am the most upsetty spaghetti. Yeah, we do hear a woman speaking over the comms, giving orders. We can probably assume that that is Tara's sister. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. This fundamentally changes so much about the power dynamic here. Tao has heard this information. If Tao relates it to Tara at some point, I feel like Tara's gonna lose it or like snap or something. I don't think there is a version of Tao that remembers this right now. I know. We'll see. But That's concerning. There's also not a version of Smog that remembers this right now. It just depends on what Tao got uploaded into that phone before they bent everything. They haven't talked to Zach about what the implications are. This was part of Tao's next playbook change. But my assumption based on what Tao said, the fact that it's another phone, clarifying for us at some point that the other Taos probably all have their own phones. I think in the last episode of this, actually, that it's just an uninitialized Tao. I am scared. I'm also sad that all of Tao's cool Creative Jam's world got fucking obliterated but at least a shred of it still stands as tau recalls all of the other taus in existence to stabilize this place but is only able to save one room yeah smog had transformed into the final fantasy summon siren comes down and meets tau and while holding a hand on their shoulder poofs back into moogle form that's deep that's real deep like again fuck the governance but uh I'm curious as to what this Tao could even be like. Will they have to download all the memories off the phone? Or what is the data that's on the phone consisting of? And Zach's not here to (laughs) relay that information to us and we haven't played it out yet. It's going to have serious, serious ramifications and consequences. Also, where did Tao pick up the phone? I think Zach sort of implied it came from the configuration. Mm -hmm. Did they swipe it from somewhere while we weren't looking? Did they just have it? It didn't initialize because it didn't get the configuration. There's so many loose threads that they could take it. Yeah, I think it's obvious why Tao disappears. Like they're trying just to hold on to this place. Zach was surprised. 
when Tao passed the phone off to me and I said that smog starts disappearing too. Smog was supposed to leave immediately after the Zetaflare happened. He was supposed to be grievously wounded and taken to some place, a time that could take care of him. And he extended that time by borrowing Tao's power instead, but without that version of Tao around, there's not a lot he can do. Mm. So he sends off the phone to Juice. I frisbeeing it through a portal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Classy. Well, at least Juice is a good catch. Wild, because I don't think I processed <laughs> that, like, we're losing these characters for real. Endo curtains closed, but that's like, wow. Damn, that sucks. Okay, we're gonna get, like, a dramatic rebirth of Tao here in some fashion, so it will be interesting to see how it takes. If this Tao has no memory of anything, that's gonna be fucky. If Tao has some memories, but they're corrupted, that's gonna be fucky. It's gonna be weird, no matter what. I've also created some implications here, because the smog from earlier down the timeline in the world of motion hasn't disappeared yet. Anybody could talk to him about what happened. Did Smog know that this was going to happen? He was just like, I will have to go back to my timeline at some point. Mm. I get two more months with Tao. Oh. I could have cried there in the middle of the session. Ugh. I know, right? I was just... Was so much. Gnashing and tearing, but I wasn't there, so I couldn't do anything. <laughs> but what a sacrifice, though. I think that speaks a lot to how much Tao really wanted this place to exist. Yeah, everything to keep just one room up. From there, we don't go to a scene that's any happier, really. <laughs> we a series commiserating with all run. There's been a lot going on. Out of our motley crew of characters and NPCs we've run into at this point, Al Rayun and the Abyss have the most to talk about regarding some of the shit that's going on about things outside of at least in an artificial context, right? Because a lot of things that have happened to both of them were done out of selfishness. This conversation needed to happen, and Siri feels guilty about what happened to Alrayun and the Moon incident. It she had done more than Alrayun couldn't have been in that position in the first place. They just have a, a moment to just sit and talk about a lot of this stuff. But I do find it interesting here that Alrayun's just straight up like, "Yeah, I told all the guards and the people here, don't go back to the World of Ages because Cycle is not there. I can feel from here it's fucked. There's no people yet. There's nothing." <laughs> That sounds like it's the perfect place for the governance to just like, well, we're colonizing this shit. You don't even have to fight anybody for it. Yeah, you already have Cyclia locked down in your stupid tower. Which again, how the fuck are you keeping a time god locked? I can't remember the exact wording, but I feel like at some point we've had an implication here that she's doing that to herself in the configuration, that it might have something to do with also trapping the governance to some extent. It's so, so, so conflicted and infl inflated in ways. We need to get the fuck in there. Asiri has the ability to get there. Smog has the ability to get there. The same time is, once you open a door, it's open both ways. Now is not the time for this. Also, like, what is the configuration when all of the cores are back? Exactly. There's so many unknowns. But what is known is that tubular bells and cyclia are there, and it's fucked. We don't necessarily know that tubular bells are in the configuration. Because the governance could just be hanging out in the World of Ages. They could have other outposts. That's also true, but it feels dramatically appropriate, I guess. Part of Anachronism Smog's backstory is really the governance is out there still. Like, we have remnants to sweep up. So tubular bells getting found again could be a part of something that that version of Smog is a little more familiar with. Mm -hmm. If we decide not to do it. Or maybe that just happened in his timeline. 
the governance could have an analog to the configuration, like not necessarily the same one. And that's how they're managing to be connected to all these worlds because they're still like pulling people. What if they had their own whole six worlds that they went and messed no. with? No. No. <laughs> unrelated to ours. No. I don't know why, because I have no evidence, but I'm still convinced that they can't go anywhere we can't. Mm. I feel like whatever limitation here is also applying to them. They just have made more use of those limitations than we have. Anyway, Assyrian. Alryun go back and forth regarding their attachments to this place. Alryun growing fond of it and Asiri being like, I guess I've always been attached to it. I just didn't know. And Asiri is like, hey, I'm working on this project. You're really powerful. And also Sierra's an old man who needs help. So do you think you and Aura could help me save my people from extinction? Thank you. And Alryun's just like... Yeah, absolutely. Everyone here has been so selfless that I think it's fair for me to return that favor. Also, like, I might have been helping, but I've been kind of aimless in how I do that. It would be nice to have a task to set my mind to. They've been putzing around Sequence Charter, I guess lending a hand where they can, but other than the few people at the top of the World Travel Project, the average person who sees Elrune isn't going to be like, oh, you're like the most powerful mage on this planet right now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Holy shit. It'll do Aurion some good to have a directive again after so long. The scene just got real heavy and I was just like, you're right. Keep talking. <laughs> Both of these people who have been hurt so badly by just artificial disasters. What more can I say? Really? Although part of me is very curious because Aurion hasn't talked to a series since she woke up until this moment. And Asiri just starts rattling off some cryptic shit about <laughs> seeing the birth of stars and whatnot. And everyone's just like, I mean, I have seen these things. I've seen the death of stars too. I expected everyone to question some of the things Asiri said more, but at the same time, it makes sense why she wouldn't. It's a case of not knowing what you don't know. I'm a time god. I've seen all the things. So indirectly, I know all these things. I don't understand necessarily what you're saying in this moment, but I comprehend the literal words that you're saying, so I don't need to dig deeper. Yeah, I can see that. There's a lot of nonsense going on there that I want to explore more, so I'm just going to snare them into scenarios with us. Plus, it would do them some good. From there, we finally get just a little bit of levity as Geyser (laughs) takes out the Harvestman with new friend Jet and the 21 pilots she previously befriended. Befriended is a very (laughs) loosely used word for those that don't remember. Geyser commandeered the strider that they were in and then was like, it's mine now. And then went world traveling and in small lend it and put it in her pocket and then enlarged it in a world of spirit. Let them go back to sequence charter and then left the strider in the... (laughs) World of Spirit, where the crew on Secrets Charter had to go and retrieve <laughs> They don't have very much reason to be fans of Geyser. Tara specifically is like, be careful with this Harvestman technology. Don't cause problems, Geyser. Are you problem causer? Geyser's <laughs> like, that's fair, but I promise you, I'm not destroying anything but the governance, so... I'm not the problems clown anymore. I'm the wife shield. I'm the solutions clown. (laughs) The wife shield. (laughs) Anywho, 
getting a training montage. So Geyser's going to do some learning with her newfound social skills. Dan does something that surprises me and asks me how the training is going. I thought it was going to be like, I'm fighting the dice bot today. (laughs) But I did like falter a little bit. But I ultimately ended up on Geyser is technically proficient, meaning she understands how to pilot the Harvestman. It's, It's kind of the same technology as the Strider, but... Geyser is not well-versed in the jargon, so they're going to have communication <laughs> issues. Jet and the 21 pilots have to take time and kind of explain what things are to Geyser. Eventually, we stop with the basic controls and start working with the weaponry. And apparently there's like bolts and a harpoon both. And so Geyser just like absolutely demolishes this old governance outpost that was decaying anyway and then jet who is the combat fighter is like now pick up the pieces and geyser harpoons a piece and pulls it up into the strider for observation or study or whatever geyser's not too interested in old governance buildings she's pretty satisfied that it was destroyed but (laughs) spiritual one the fish are where her heart is at least for now, until she can take to the sky. But this all reveals something new. A strange black and red portal that it seems only Geyser can see. I have been struggling. Like, every decision has been a slog to, like, think through. Because I'm like, what do I do? I'm a new person. I can't just do what I wanted to do before. (laughs) Problems Clown Geyser was so easy for me. I could easily just be a bitch one day and be like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. Not being a bitch and also being impulsive is so hard. (laughs) Impulsive, but considerate. Now you have to think about things. I've never been like a think on the fly kind of person, but I need a way to show them what's happening. While I passed a deep dive check, Dan informed us that it wasn't possible anyway. So now I have to like communicate with the others anyway and like get them to agree to let me just like fuck off and go investigate this thing. I was expecting for me to just like go through the portal and end up in a whole bunch of governance bullet hell, (laughs) but that's not what happened. Guys is like, thanks everybody for teaching me and shit. I'm going to go look at that portal and you can't see it, but tell everyone what I'm doing. Okay, bye, peace. And they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) So Geyser, in true Geyser fashion, and this is also faithful to Problems Clown Geyser, just (laughs) fucking books it. Full speed ahead to this portal, fully expecting to dive through, but Geyser bounces off like it's one of the kicks balls and this is a black top at recess time. That pisses Geyser off, and so she flips off the portal and runs back to the harvest man. She does hear a voice telling her, bring everyone else first. And sees the ghostly image of those red flaming dice that Smog has had this entire (laughs) fucking time. Geyser notes that that happened, but she does not care. I ran all the way out here, and now I have to go find everyone else and bring them back. And they might be in danger for whatever bullshit reason you're giving me. Geyser flips the portal off and goes back to the Harvest Man. And they're like, 
what happened? We saw you. You kind of bounced off of something, but we couldn't see it. And Geyser's like, yeah, the portal wouldn't let me in. So I flipped them off. And we discussed as a group that it would be funnier if they didn't know what flipping people off meant. So Geyser explains it to them and they are temporarily offended until Geyser explains that she was not flipping them off, just the portal. And then we we have a good time discussing rude gestures on the way back. Beautiful. From here, because Carolyn wanted the group together to have Pony's big playbook change and whatever else might come along with that. We step back to Juice, who fiddles around with the phone, cannot get it working, and does his own dark portal, which is putting himself to sleep with bad breath, but also forcing himself awake with it so that he goes to the world of the lost and then pops back somewhere else. That's fucked up. I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) But it makes sense, so I'll allow it. I made sure to mention my inspiration was Nightcrawler, so there's just this puff of terrible smell in the world of the Lost, and when he pops back in. When you pop in, it's Smog and Powder who are off on a salvaging mission. I like how Powder's like, oh, what the fuck is that smell? (laughs) I kind of know. That probably just flies into it. Yeah. (laughs) Nasty. This is the Smog with Alexander, since we have lost Tao's Smog back to his alternate timeline and this smog has been salvaging with powder for the past couple months i wonder what they talk about video games probably Uh, comic books (laughs) comic books (laughs) i feel like powder's like sighs wistfully stares out into the expanse (laughs) oh my god and then alexander's like in due time Oh my god. Realistically, it's probably Powder complaining about all her fucking equipment breaking down or not being completely efficient, and Smog being like, I'll fix that tomorrow, don't worry about it. Yeah. Something new for you. It's also probably Smog being like, no, Powder, you can't take this entire crate of old comic books just because you think they're cool. We don't have the space for it. It's also governance propaganda. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Governance propaganda comic books. Although the military does like liaison a lot of Marvel movies, so it makes sense. There was some Marvel comic book for a contractor. I can't remember which one, but yeah, <laughs> life is sometimes stranger than fiction. Oh boy. <laughs> Smog tries to unlock the phone, ends up doing it with magic after realizing it's a musical pattern, a rhythm and not any sort of code. Dan said, like, Doctor Stranging it, doing all the possibilities. So stupid. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll allow it, because again, time magic. Fucking time magic. I'm so done. We're not doing a time warp thing for a while, guys. I can't handle it. (laughs) (laughs) I love time magic. I love time bullshit. It's very hard as an outsider to keep track of both Tao and Smog's shenanigans as the connected. <laughs> so it's just like, bruh, it's already like not my wheelhouse for the big brain shit. <laughs> this is just so many layers. Let me do the breakdown here, because I don't think it's going to be too hard. We have original Smog at the start of the game, earliest point on the timeline. Then we have flash forward to World of Motion Smog, who remembers Tao. And then past that is the Zetaflare virus smog, who has learned what he needs to be able to do, has learned a lot about Tao to be able to make this. 
Then we have the alternate version. I've already kind of hinted at this. We'll see what happens to Smog when he casts normal ass set of flare in the last world. And then past that is Alexander Smog. Mm. And those are the two branching timelines. And they're technically small ripples off of it, but whatever. And with those, it doesn't matter that much. Sammy's like, I am not amused. <laughs> the order I've introduced them in is is completely not in the same order, which is good. I like that it wasn't just jumps between things. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Although, now that you say that, smog egging on Geyser in the world of motion makes so much more sense now. Yes, that's exactly why I wanted to do that, because it was a nice middle ground between... The dark playbook really like pushing people's worse things and then balancing that out with a little bit of growth where it's okay i'm trying to push you to sort towards something good but maybe in a slightly destructive way <laughs> that was so destructive <laughs> <laughs> the governance was destructive but it led to a lot of growth and yeah. possibility in the storyline it wasn't self-destructive yeah I guess we're going to go see Toroid next time. And it's been a while. We haven't seen him since he was drunk at the party for Captain Terra. So Smog finds this file, hits it. It's not doing anything. So Smog is like, well, who the fuck do I know who knows anything about a tech and won't be that busy right now? And I was like, I want to see Toroid. Smog hasn't been able to talk to Toroid yet. I think it's one of the few NPCs just no relationship with. And we can see how the last two months have changed that. This was another point where I interjected because Geyser has not interacted with Toroid since the very, very beginning where we were not happy <laughs> with Toroid. We made an entire mean like, fuck Toroid, all my homies hate Toroid. <laughs> it's been fuck Toroid in my mind this entire time. Meanwhile, Asiri has been cool with Toroid since that party, so... <laughs> Everyone's like, yeah, this is my best friend, Toroid. And Geyser's like, what happened to Fucky? I really want Smog's first line when we see Toroid to be like, how's kids? How's the wife? <laughs> What's going on at home? <laughs> Got any donuts for me? Oh man, I want a donut. <laughs> Everything's going to be chaotic going forward because we're nearing the end, of course. But also... Daniel keeps hinting at me ominously that we have several decisions to make at the cost of other things. And I'm like, no, I want everyone happy. <laughs> Dan, you're blocked and reported. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Dan. There's no path. have to make choices. Your ass hurt. Done. <laughs> How dare you make me make choices? I want to save everyone. Stop being a jerk. <laughs> it's better that way. It's more interesting that way. If anyone knows me, they know I watch a lot of anime. And I fucking hate isekais. Like, I think they're the worst. The exceptions to that are the ones that have a lot of pain. Like, ReZero, like, Jobless, Reincarnation, like, Grimgar. To me, this whole thing is an isekai, and if there's no pain, it's not worth exploring. <laughs> so, I really liked this session, then. I did, I did. <laughs> the past couple of sessions, there was one where I was, like, barely functioning outside, like, in real life, D was suffering. So Aww. I was kind of like, Ugh. And then the next one, I was just like, what am I doing? 
with my life? What is Geyser? What have I done? <laughs> and so Dan was like, actually, I need a break, guys. And I was like, yes, I can think. <laughs> I appreciate Dan for giving me time to form new concepts. From now on, it's going to be a lot easier. But this one definitely pulled me back, even though my scenes were more of the levity scenes. I feel all the the knots untying that I've been hoping to. And there's just like a couple of subjects that I really want to touch on. And I know it's a game with lots of people. So it's not like everything D wants. We're going to do that. I'm hoping that there's a couple more things that I get to touch on as Geyser before we say goodbye to this campaign. Okay. Weeping, sobbing. It feels imminent. It really does. Even though we've got plenty left to do, I can see the end. <laughs> I can see clearly now the rain is going. I can't. The fucking governance is in the way. I might have to bring back Chainsaw Geyser. Just, just even Ooh. more bullshit. Like, just, I'm keeping it in my pocket. I said before, the chance of Chainsaw Geyser is low, but it's never zero. <laughs> just the governance completely unmakes all progress that Geyser has made. That's her sad ending. No! <laughs> it would be so fucked if somehow Ruth or Ezra got snatched into the governance and was part of it. I've been thinking about this since Dan revealed that Tara's sister is now in the picture. What if a member of each of our backstories is part of, or gets recruited in some fashion to the governance? Because it would not shock me if a serious sister got pulled into. I mean, yeah, I pulled that shit in the Pokemon game, so it's it's good, especially as a finale, to just have everybody's rivals pop up. I mean, we saw the reflections recently, too. Like, we've had some warning for shot across the bow. Except for guys. <laughs> Which is so fucked. The other thing that I've been wrestling with is there have been times where people have tried to pull me in, and I and I know like people are making overtures to include me, but I cannot think of what was appropriate to do because there is this new introduction where finally I've gained so much things that I've lost, like my memory, my power, a sense of identity, an ability to interact with people without causing so much chaos. But now I've lost a new thing, an ability to see what I need to reflect on in the future. <laughs> I have the ability to introspect, but there's nothing there. <laughs> <laughs> and that is so fucking scary. I can't wrap my mind around this, and I don't know if Dan meant to even do that, but it's been fucking with my head this entire time. The mirror that you already had. That's why I think I also gravitated towards, like, the worst possibility is that Geyser goes back to her old tendencies and she loses herself to an undeveloped version of herself. A self mm. that was reliant on a parasitic relationship. Man. Dan just, like, waves you over and you come to the GM side and fight us. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucked up. I would, uh, I would, I would kill him. <laughs> What would y'all have done differently? I could have pressed the conversation with Pony a little bit further if I wasn't panicking about, oh no, what do I do with Geyser? And just reverted to my older style of play in which I let the character traits develop as I go along. 
I think I could have made an interesting scene there. I definitely do want to connect with Pony. I definitely want to connect a little bit further with Tao. I'm satisfied with my relationships with both Smog and Asiri. Beyond that, pretty satisfied and happy with how this went. Yeah, there's a couple things I could have more poignantly questioned some NPCs on. Some questions for Aura, some questions for Tara. But at the same time, Asiri doesn't know technology and stuff. So it was very hard for me to come up with questions like a Siri could wrap her fins around, as it were. Sammy has these questions, but I don't think a Siri would know to ask these questions because she has no context for them. I feel like I'm still missing a lot of information I need regarding the barnacle and a couple other things in, about the initial experiment. But I also don't know how to get to that question without somebody more technologically knowledge like Tower or Smog being in the room to assist her. I don't really have anything. It was really funny when Sammy was like, why the hell didn't Smog and Tau kiss? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's my next question is like, world emotion Smog is like crying. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Because we we did a lot there that was like, it's it's pretty fucking obvious. But also I think it's funny to have the slowest possible burn of actual screen time. Yeah. That's great to me. (laughs) (laughs) It'll happen in the epilogue. Yeah, we'll get there, don't worry about it. Let's get into the resolution phase, the segment of the show where we each get to say something about the game with no responses. What is your final say on this session, D? Sometimes you have to decide exactly who you are. You can find me on Twitter or X if they start charging me. I won't be there anymore. But at Backslider D, you can find me on Blue Sky at Backslider D dot B-S-K-Y dot social. You can find me on Twitch as Backslider D2. I have been streaming near Replicant. I'm on PSN and Instagram as I had a cow LOL. You can hit me up and we can exchange friend codes to game on Switch. I think it's that time of year and I've been really into horror games for some reason. There are two that I recommend. Both are on PC. I'm on Observation Duty 6. Just have to spot the difference except spooky. And then Alternate Watch, which is an Observation Duty type game. They're both pretty cool. And for you, Alex? There is still a way for the avatar of Alexander Smog to speak with Tao Smog. You can find me on Blue Sky at Shining Crowbat. This week, I recommend Venba. It is a cooking puzzle game. It's about diaspora, an Indian mother in Canada and her son, and the grandmother's recipes. All of the puzzles are really well done. The story was very affecting. It's one of the few games that got me to cry. There are definitely some ways in which I relate to it. Very cute game, pretty short. And like a lot of games I've recommended, it's on Game Pass. And for myself, maybe next time on the show, we're going to have an Easter egg party. Who knows? You can find me on that hill. Yes, that is the hill I've chosen to die on. Running up that hill. <laughs> I don't like it, like copyright, whatever. Right. <laughs> you, would, you would sing that close to Kate Bush. I would. 
And you fucking know I would kill it, too. <laughs> this has been Resolve, an afterplay show. You can find us online at most social media sites at Resolve AP. Except Instagram, which is at Resolve Afterplay. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today. You can buy the game we're playing, Interstitial, Our Hearts Intertwined from its creator, Riley Hopkins, at linksmithgames.com. All links will be included in the episode description. Thank you again for listening. We end our turn here, so now it's your turn. Tell us what's happening in your game. 